Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 25. Uh, I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined once again this week by my lovely co-host, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hi, Allison. And Maggie Wiggin. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. Um, so the season feels over, like, for real, for real this time. I know we've said that, like, four different times, but this time it kind of feels real. I don't know. Yeah. Sort of the, the clock has, is, is running low. Like, they've made a valiant effort, but they're far enough out that, like, they they can't play their way back in anymore. Multiple teams are going to have to totally bite it. And that's just not something you want to be counting on. So, yeah. I, I mean, it was always going to be tough, especially after the the sweep of by the Cubs and the Braves. So, I mean, I think it was just delaying the inevitable as much as I hate to say it. But this, yeah, this definitely feels like the nail in the coffin now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the four-game sweep of the Diamondbacks was, like, their last, like, dead cat bounce, kind of. Like, they got us pulled back in because the Diamondbacks were, like, another team that they were competing with. So they were able to, like, essentially knock the Diamondbacks out of it. Yeah, they ended that season right quick. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, and like the last two games were like, not just wins, like they kicked their butts. And so it was kind of like, this is awesome. Maybe we're back in it. And then it was like the Dodgers, we ran right into the brick wall. That was the Dodgers. Um, and you know, like, I feel like two out of three against the Dodgers would have felt like not as bad, like, which is what almost happened, but Mm -hmm. then it didn't. It didn't, and then, like, the, then it was, I mean, not that, like, after that one and two series against the Dodgers that I thought that um they still had a chance, but certainly the, the, the loss against, uh, against the Rockies really sort of further solidified that, but, you know, I, I, I don't regret for a second that they kept us going this no. season. I don't feel like it made it harder or that I would have just as soon had it over with. I I'm actually really, really grateful for these months of baseball that we got. It, it felt like, I don't know, it felt like a second chance. And if, if this had been their whole season, then they would be in it. And it's, you know, June is what did them in more than anything. And in any case, I know it's, it's a small comfort, but, but I really appreciate the the great baseball that we got to see. Yeah, I was kind of, you know, thinking about this and bouncing an idea in my head, maybe sometime down the road, um, when I'm not so frustrated, um, doing an article on that the Mets were actually fun this year. Like, if you throw out, because looking back, I feel like everybody's just going to remember the frustration, all the bullpen, the Mickey stupidness, um, Vargas fight. Throw, yelling at Tim Healy, uh, the chair being thrown. As I say, the like, multiple threats of credible violence yeah, are way up there. Yeah, but they they were fun. Like the the shirts being ripped off, the puppy, the even Pete Alonso chest bumping Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard is always so stoic on the mound, and to see him show like emotion and to be happy, like it was. It, it was just little moments like that that they, yeah, I want to savor and um, know that they do have something special at their core and just things didn't go the way they should have earlier in the season. 
Yeah, and I mean, I feel like this is kind of like a a tangential but related point to all of this. Um, Emma wrote an article in Sports Illustrated today, which I retweeted, which you guys should all read because it's really good. It's basically about how she... Um, like listen to either watch the broadcast or listen to the radio broadcast. I can't remember which, but of the, of the Orioles Tigers game over the weekend. And like, obviously like Orioles Tigers September baseball right now is like not what you would call (laughs) meaningful games in September, right? Like both these are the two worst teams in baseball, but she talked about how, you know, over the off season, what I miss about baseball is it's not the playoffs. It's not the race for the Cy Young. It's not who's going to win rookie of the year. It's not these things. It's just the cadence of a baseball game and the ups and downs of a season and, you know, the story arcs that come out of a season. And I feel like the twenty eight, uh, the 2019 Mets more than pretty much since 2015, maybe arguably 2016, have had the most exciting ups and downs, the most exciting narratives, the the players to root for more than any other team that they've had in recent years. Well, the players and the players this year are so special. And that to me is what it comes down to is like, you know, the, the players like, like Alonzo and McNeil and Dom Smith and Michael Conforto and Brandon Nimmo and JD Davis, like all of that cover up a lot of warts. And like, they almost, I mean, this is a, pretty flawed baseball team and the bottom absolutely fell out of the entire bullpen in every way. Um, and they were really almost in it to the very end. And that's surprising. And also good is that like every, all of the very best things about this season, all the very best players that they had are going to be back. Yeah. Um, and you know, the question is like how, what will their seasons be like? You never know. But, you know, McNeil is here for the long haul and Alonzo is here for the long haul and DeGrom and, you know, I mean, look, Ramos has had his, his ups and downs himself, but like, that's a good bat. He's still here. Like there's, I, I am more hopeful for next season than I have been in a long time. Even in 2015, I felt like things weren't really going to come together the next year. I, I, you know, there was, I felt like there were too many pieces that were missing. And then, of course, I got sucked back in. But, and then the end of 2016-17 didn't feel all that, you know, exciting. And 17 uh, was a dreadful season. Like It yeah, was. Yeah, the issue there was they just got complacent, like, oh, we're good enough. We don't have to do anything. Like, I think now they have to realize they have to do something. I like, hope so. You I can't mean, ignore the glaring holes and hope to compete. We'll find out. Yeah. But yeah, what like, would you guys, like, speaking of that, like, what do you think, like, to in order to feel good about their chances of being a contending team because I think we all agree that you know the the parts of a contending team are absolutely there in this team so what do you guys think that they need to do like bare minimum what would you like to see in the offseason I think we were even talking about this on slack the other day about how there's not a lot of top level shut down relievers on the market next season um, I think it's Doolittle, Jansen, Batances, who I wouldn't take a risk on. Um, and I feel like, oh, Chapman, who I absolutely don't want. No, absolutely uh, not. No, no, thank you. And is and, Chapman, Chapman's not even a free agent. He's like an opt-out of his contract, opt-out. right? Yeah, I don't think he's going to opt-out so. anyway. Yeah. So you might have to get creative and... I don't know if this is the the front office to do that, but like you might have to trade for a reliever. I don't know if you can trade Dom Smith as much as it would pain me to do that for a reliever. But well, I also don't know if Dom Smith is is, is going to be gonna enough get to you. get yeah. a good reliever because I think part of the problem is the Mets have been trading for mediocre guys <sighs> for years. And none of them are sticking. And and I feel bad because they kind of started to do the thing that you should do, which is mm-hmm. look for a 
a good arm and not like a projectable one um, and get someone who is established. They tried to do that and just botched it big time with Diaz. But, you know, Diaz will be back. Um, I think he'll be better next year. There's no way I think he will. Honestly, I think he's either going to be better or he's going to end up in the minors pretty quickly. Because that is like, that's the thing is that he still can be sent to the minors. He still has options. Um, So that, I mean, that would be my prediction is if like, he's not actively better than, then that's probably, I feel like it's going to happen. But I, in terms of the bolstering the bullpen, I feel like I would love for them to get one of those guys, a Doolittle or a Jansen. I mean, I think that they should. They have no reason not to, except for their own self-made reasons of a payroll crunch that shouldn't exist. Um, oh, I think Will Smith was the other one. Will Smith would absolutely yeah. be my target. I would say, I like, like, get me one of the top-level guys and get me two of the decent ones. Get me some Justin Wilson types. I was going to say, get yeah. two Justin Wilsons. Yeah. And I'll that's- take two. And 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 a and a starter, but yeah. honestly, like, and you know, a couple of flyers on on minor league bench type guys, but really, like, the lineup is there. Yeah. I have no like, there's no starting player that I feel like is is a need right now. Rosario has grown into shortstop very well. I'm extremely happy with how his season went, considering where he started. Um, either Davis or McNeil will slot into third base full time while the other is in the outfield with Nemo and Conforto, Alonzo, Ramos, Cano. I mean, that's, that's your starting lineup every single day. Um, and, and I like, think a need... healthy Nemo would totally change the dynamic of the season too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the, 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 the people that you end up needing to replace that would be bench pieces are like, you need a Frazier guy who's going to take care of your well, backing up the infield. Lowry? It's oh, basically right. Lowry. God, I forgot that Lowry <laughs> is still there. Jeez. I mean, it, look, I think if Lowry has taught us anything this season, it's that you cannot count on Jed Lowry being there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like maybe they should get somebody else also. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, like, the the – the position player pieces needed are small ones that you can kind of be a little more creative with because you're mostly looking at building up depth. If it were up to me and if it was up to signing Cole or signing Rendon, I would absolutely go Garrett Cole over Rendon. Like, yeah, I feel I like the pitching too. is just too important that you can't. You can't pass that up. And the offense, you can survive without adding another piece. Like I mean, Anthony. I love Rendon. I know. If Rendon is on I the table, like, yeah. sign him, for God's sake. But, like... Just do both. Um, but I agree. Yeah, you know, do both. Do both. Um, that if they're, if, if they're planning on going after one top flight guy, which is... Um, which is 100% more than I expect them to actually go after. <laughs> but if they are going after one, I would definitely want it to be on the pitching side. Yeah, I mean, like... I'm fully prepared to welcome 2020 Met Rick Porcello <laughs> instead That's, of Caracol. Honestly, there's a chance that that is optimistic. Yeah, right? Yeah. I, they just, well, for they... me, it's... Go ahead, Linda. And for me, it's kind of sad that I have to cheer more for Rendon and Strasburg to leave the Nationals than for them the Mets to sign them. It's not that right. like I can't be excited that they're coming to the Mets. I have to cheer more for that they're leaving for the from the Nationals. Like that's and my hope win. That here. Some other NL East team doesn't sign them instead. Exactly. Like some random team like the Angels or something. Yeah. Although the Angels could use Rendon. That would actually be a really good get for them. Yeah, sure would. Yeah, it would be an interesting to sit to see where where those guys end up cuz like I don't know. The the Nats are so all in on this team um and you know they have like <laughs> they have you know they have money deferred to like forever yeah. um so you really wonder like are they gonna finally you know call it quits on this on this batch are they gonna do a rebuild or are they gonna really you know go go hard on keeping that group together i don't know i'm glad i don't have to make that choice I guess a lot will depend on whether Strasburg actually opts out or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Because, like, I mean, they have Corbin for five more years. Like, yeah, it's not like they haven't signed the big contracts. Like, they have Corbin for the long term. And, you know, these guys. And, like, Scherzer. And Soto and Robles are extremely young and both very good at baseball. And so, like, I don't know. It's not like they don't have. And Trey Turner. Like, they they have good young talent there. Absolutely. So, you know. Yeah, it's really Rendon is walking unless they, you know, work something out, which it doesn't seem like they will. And Strauss might opt out. And I think if Strasburg opts out, then that really changes the picture for them. Yeah. You do wonder how much, you know, what effects um their off season their postseason performance will have like yeah. you could definitely see if they go deep into that off season I just, I can't again they go deep into the <laughs> postseason that like there's you know more goodwill more feeling of like let's let's see how this goes um but if it's another uh if it's another quick exit then Oh, they might just feel like it's time to do something different. Although the Cubs are starting to breathe down their neck for that first wild card spot. So I don't know if it's a guarantee the Nationals even get in at this point. Yeah. Like, it could be Cubs-Brewers. Yeah. It could very well be Cubs-Brewers. And the Nationals could be on the outside looking in. And I was about to say, Nationals deep into the postseason. (laughs) Yeah, right. Stranger (laughs) things have happened, I'll have you know. It's true. It's true. It is. Yes, but still, I want the narrative to live forever. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's like now that the Mets, you know, I've kind of done my like acceptance moment, like I've, that the Mets season is over. But now that that's the case, it's like, yeah, but who do I actually like root for in the postseason? And it's kind of like, ugh. Like, I, no one really. Like, it's kind of like it's it's gotten it's settled into the same pattern of the these dynasty teams just dominating everything. It's basically like the Dodgers and the Astros and the Yankees, and like no one can touch those teams. Yep. And of course, well, I don't then, want any of the NL East teams to win. No. So. Leave in yesterday because I had to recap that dumb game. Um, Was dumb. Yeah, like I was saying there, I hate the, I hate all these people. I'm tired of seeing their faces. This is the stupidest game. I just want the season to be over. And then driving home today, I heard Center Field by John Fogarty, and I almost started crying. I'm like, it's almost over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want it to end now. A series like, of but, emotions. Yeah, but I'm like, but the realization is coming. Like the end is nigh. It is. Yeah. But we still got almost two more weeks of baseball. I will take two more weeks of anything that I love. Yeah. yeah. And we got, now we know JD Davis is Sun Bear. Like, that was another That's gift very that Pete always given us. <laughs> That's like my favorite thing ever. Sun I know Pete. <laughs> Pete's the best. He's I so know. pure. He is. Protect him at all costs. Yes, at all costs. <laughs> like, our Don't players. Let the curse of the fun. Mets take him. No, that would be the worst. Him and Nimmo, they only deserve take good, good things. care of him. Yeah. 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 Protect our players. They're very pure. Because <laughs> I guess this is kind of a transition to a, a, an elephant in the room that we have to discuss. Oh, God. About players that are not pure and not good. Mm. All right, um, let's just take like a minute to to like separate separate the talk of our wonderful pure players from what's coming next. Let's take a breath. Yeah. Okay, oh yeah, and separate. like we need to take a breath. And also, there's content warnings involved with this. Uh, like this uh, this yes. is not good. What we're about to discuss, and if these sort of discussions of these sorts of things are triggering for you, you might want to skip the next like few minutes or so. We will not waste too much time on this. Um. We were not going to have like a baseball segment at all this week. We're going to do mailbag and we still are going to do that. But I do feel like we have to at least mention this because, you know, in the purview of this podcast, these are things that we, you know, shouldn't ever be quiet about or shut up about. Um, So today uh, we learned that Felipe Vasquez was arrested on multiple charges, which which includes uh, solicitation of a minor. Um, we learned that he has had a sexual relationship with a 13-year-old girl who is now 15 years old. And she has, you know, the the mother came forth to the police with proof in the form of text messages, illicit texts, illicit videos, that sort of thing. Um, and he planned to, you know, meet 
up with her um, after the season was over. And, you know, apparently they have had, you know, a sexual relationship in the past. He was 26 when this occurred. She was 13. So that's really upsetting and gross and terrible and repugnant and all sorts of adjectives that I shouldn't say on the podcast. Well, and it's going to put a real, um, it's going to put a microscope over MLB's policy on how they're going to handle this because it's a really, it's, it's appalling behavior and it is well-documented, which is often something that complicates matters for discipline, but like, this is not a, um, a quote unquote, he should, he said, she said sort of thing, not to diminish when it is about, you know, a witness statement, but like in this case, it is, it is, there's a, there's a hell of a paper trail. Um, and, and MLB has to step up. They have to show us that they know how to handle situations of this kind of gravity. Yeah. But you know, until we see otherwise, I'm expecting, you know, I'm not expecting that nothing will happen. Um, because, you know, I think that this involves a child and it's a little, it's, it's different. I think that people, there are at least people that understand that this involves a child and that makes it, you know, wholly different, but well, he is, and he's, he's been arrested like, and he, yeah. you know, he's, and it's it's not a situation where you're likely to see, um, you know, a, a witness refuse to testify or something. Like it's it's a different, um, it's just a, a different kind of situation than a lot of the domestic violence cases that get dropped for for myriad reasons that are we'll go into another time. But um, you know, this doesn't this doesn't fit that mold. It's probably not going to go away. Right. And I mean, I'm expecting to see some sort of suspension. It's just a question of how long and will baseball just allow the world to forget once the suspension is up? Will he just go to another country and play baseball for a while and come back? Don't forget that this is the same organization that employs Jung Ho Gong or employed, I guess, um, who, you know, also had rape allegations against him albeit obviously not of anyone underage um but two three DUIs and a rape allegation and yeah. just kind of went away played baseball in Korea for a little while and came back and Jung Ho Gong isn't even that good at baseball this is a <laughs> this is a man who is pretty good at baseball and so I have a feeling that even though it shouldn't obviously play a role it always does and so I'm just not optimistic that like Felipe Vasquez drops off the face of the earth now, which is what should happen. But well, we not. also saw the Luke Heimlich narratives yep. too, and I'm just afraid that in a couple years, like, oh, Felipe Vasquez is so sorry, he regrets his actions. Like, I can't. Like, this hurts my brain. Like, I can't even fathom the depravity of this. Thirteen, you're eighth grade. You're in eighth grade as the thirteen-year-old. And as a 26-year-old man, just what what are you doing? Like, this, that, that's sickness. You and are a grown-ass man. And yes. You are fabulously wealthy and famous. What are you doing? It, preying on like, little girls? Yes, that, it's exactly what it is. You're preying on, on girls, little girls, who should have only be worrying about, like, what shoes they're going to wear or, like, what poster they're going to put up in their bedroom. That's what I was doing at 13. Like, well, and also, it bears remembering, you know, as everybody talks about how they had no idea, like, he just never seemed like that. They never seem like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, if if you could be surprised by Felipe Vasquez, you could be surprised by anybody. And right. it is extremely important that everybody who was taken unawares um, by by this news understands that maybe one if a future allegation has less, you know, physical evidence, that we just have to remember we don't know the predators by looking at them. Mm-hmm. Nope. Oh, and by the way kind of side note but if your first reaction to this when you saw it on twitter or wherever you saw it if your first reaction to it was 
some sort of like reaction of how this is going to affect your baseball team, please reevaluate yourself. Mm, yeah. Reevaluate. Because I saw from Dodgers fans, I saw, haha, we won the non trade. A lot of that. From, yeah. you know, Pirates fans, I saw like some consternation about losing their all star closer. From Mets fans, I-, I saw in the Amazing Avenue comments, no less. I saw, well, good thing we didn't give up a boatload of prospects for this guy. Is that, if that's your first thought, like, reevaluate, please. I beg of you. Take a walk, buddy. Just. Yeah, like, this has nothing to do with baseball at this point. This is someone's life. About, this is about lives. Yeah. This is just, this is, this is a victim who is now irreparably harmed by this. That is the person you should think of first. Not your baseball team. (laughs) Repugnant. Disgusting shit. Just absolutely. And like, you know, kind of unprecedented. I mean, obviously this isn't the first time anyone has acted in this manner. But, you know, as Maggie said, we'll have to see how baseball handles this. Because they haven't really had to deal with something like this before. So. Yeah. More coming on that. We'll see more on this as it develops, I suppose. But, you know, kind of a a very unfortunate day in baseball news. Um, But we will not linger on it for too long because predators don't deserve to be lingered on for too long. Um, We will take a break. And when we return, we will answer your emails because we haven't done that in a while. So stay tuned. And we are back. Um, Today we are going to, in lieu of like a full-length baseball segment, we are going to do a seventh-inning stretch segment where we answer your emails. So we have two particular emails we want to highlight this week. Um, First is from Justin David. Um, So thank you, Justin David, for writing in. Um, He says that he absolutely loves the podcast. um, And he said, your analysis, your willingness to, quote, go there on issues you do, it's fantastic. So we appreciate the compliment. Thank you so much. Um, He brought up a few kind of discussion points that he wanted us to talk about um, in future episodes or during a mailbag. So we're going to kind of do like a a quick hit on each of them. One of them, I'm not doing them in the order that he wrote them, but one of them was um, the exploitation of Dominican players and players in Latin America in general. Um, He wrote, it seems to me that MLB operates something akin to a plantation system. They recruit children, high school players, to come to their, quote, academies on the highly unlikely prospect that they will be drafted. In the process, they force young people to give up on their education and don't provide anything. They don't really contribute substantially to the community um, from whom they draw their talent. That's absolutely true. Um, We covered this um, sort of generally um, in an episode we already did. So for people who are interested in hearing us talk about that, um, tune into episode 11. We talk about the exploitation of of players in Latin America um, and, you know, essentially the human trafficking that's happening in Latin America. Um, So if you missed that episode, go back and give it a listen. It's worth your time, I think. Um, And we will cover this more in the future, probably, (laughs) as more things develop with that story, especially um, the investigation. Unless they just suddenly decide to fix all their massive ethical problems. (laughs) So, yeah, please, please, MLB, put us all out of jobs. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, um, especially as the investigation into Major League Baseball develops, which, you know, will continue to develop. The U.S. government is investigating them for these crimes Uh, so we'll see what happens there um you're too bad for the u.s government watch out yeah right um so one of the topics um, that he that Justin David asked us to talk about, um, he wrote, and I quote, I just love Gary Cohen, but I want to hear his social conscience. In fact, as a rabbi, I refer to him as the Talmudic Gary Cohen because he often sees another angle, asks another question, but he blows it on anything when it has to do with uh, educating, like ed- educable moments so to speak um he did well to call out Vargas but why didn't he say anything when we found out Jose Fernandez had alcohol and cocaine in his system when he crashed his boat why doesn't he take up the issue of gender and diversity in front office staffs the list goes on surely he's capable of addressing some of the underlying moral ambiguities and inequities in baseball without totally trashing trashing the organization who pays him so I think that Um, the specific incidents he brings or issues he brings up aside, I think that this is a really good discussion topic because, you know, 
like, what do you guys think about the idea of like broadcasters being woke, so to speak, and bringing up these topics that we often discuss on this podcast and that people discuss um, in the wider baseball media? What obligation do broadcasters have to discuss these topics? I mean, it would be a nice change of pace, especially since it seems like we're constantly getting some other broadcaster putting his foot in his mouth, like the Pirates. I think they were, the Pirates broadcasters were saying racist things. Um, Tom Brenneman was excusing Addison Russell's actions. Even Gary Cohen, I think, was excusing Addison Russell. Like, oh, he suffered, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. Like, I think they are who they are at this point. Um, I don't know if you're going to get that from them. Um, and I think the only issue is, which I believe we've discussed earlier in another episode, is to have different voices in the booth instead of just the same old white dudes across the board, pretty much. I think age is a big deal, is a is a, it's a big part of it, too. And, you know, we, we love Gary Cohen, but he also... You know, he he came of age in a time. There's I default to to that sort of say tribalism. It sounds worse than I mean it, but like, yeah, that that that's who you're most interested in. I don't know. I mean, I, I think like it's it's funny. It's something I don't really think about because I can't imagine the culture being such that broadcasters are going to start caring about this kind of stuff. Um, it just feels so like the concept feels very like, when would that ever happen? But maybe I, I, I'm sooner or later, I'll be wrong. I mean, I think eventually, uh, eventually the you'll start to get people who, who have developed different types of narratives and context for this sort of thing, um, getting more prominent roles. Yeah, it's basically that. I mean, I think, and I'm not saying we shouldn't hold, you know, these these people to a higher standard because we should. Um, but I think that this will come naturally with time when the old guard, so to speak, is replaced with fresher voices that are more diverse. And we're already sort of seeing it a little bit, not so much in broadcast booths, but like in the baseball media, we're already seeing it. So I think that that's an encouraging sign. Um, but yeah, it's basically like, it's it's less about expecting Gary Cohen to be more woke because he's not going to change who he is and more like expecting better of the next generation of baseball broadcasters. Um, like but the one the one disappointing thing about it is like I don't necessarily expect out of, you know, the Gary Cohen's of the world, these topics to come up organically and like for them to do deep dives like the way that we do on this podcast, for example. I don't expect them during the baseball broadcast to like, you know, go into a deep dive on social justice issues. But sometimes I do kind of get disappointed with how readily they swallow certain narratives like the Addison Russell one, I think is the most yeah. prominent recent example of like Gary Cohen just sort of swallowing and parroting what like certain members of the media wrote about Addison Russell and making it into a redemption narrative and not questioning it or pushing back on it in any way, just sort of like spitting back out what's already out there. Um, that's been frustrating to me personally, I think. Yeah. And I think it also comes down to like, what's their job? Like, is it to call a game or is it just to you know, make these guys seem superhuman? Or is it their job to make them seem like heroes? Or is it job their job to portray them as they are? And I think that's a personal choice that they make. Like, how am I going to to call this game today? Like, are your, are your heroes fallible? Yes. Like, this baseball is um, based on failure. And, you know, you can focus on failure is okay but always focusing on redemption narratives for people who don't earn them is definitely not the way to go like all the time like even if you think that's what your job is um it's okay to to go against the green every once in a while and it's interesting because i think that 
um, Ron and Keith as uh, as color commentators, especially, actually do a really good job of talking about the human aspects of the game and feelings when it comes to the baseball side. Like, Ron talks all the time about his struggles and how he wasn't a perfect pitcher. Actually, if you hear Ron talk about his career, you'd think he was, like, really bad, but he was, like, a really good pitcher, right? (laughs) Um, But they do a really good job of talking about, like, the mental struggle when you're in a slump or, like, like, they do a really good job of humanizing these players in that way of their struggles on the field. So, like, why... Is it so hard to do that on the off the field stuff? Because they feel like the players are their teammates. That's yeah. that's yeah. their their default mode is to be on their side. And that is why it works so well when that's the part that we're trying to understand. When the the part that we need to understand better is the player side of things. They're so good at that because that's the story that they have always told that's a story that is that is comfortable for them that they understand fully um you know they just if they're gonna do if they're gonna do right by the more social justice oriented stories they've got to get comfortable with it they've got to to just push themselves out of their usual zone and and just just change the way they approach this. It's it's really hard. I mean, that's that's just it. It's not like we're asking them, you know, to just to just like write a different story. Like it's about it's change not just the story. It's just changing your entire framework within it. And but you know, I'm not going to not hold them to that standard. I'm just not going to expect it. Right. Well, and then also, I, I, this isn't Gary Keith and Ron, but um. Other announcers, they call the players by their first names. They say, we're in trouble. Oh, the good guys got on the board. Like, they're clearly, they're part of their group. Like, they see Homerism. themselves as part of the team. Yeah, Homerism, clearly. So if you can't separate yourself from the team, you're not going to call them out for anything. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So... Yeah, um, the other the other topic that um, Justin David brought up is um, he writes gender discrimination in hiring at all levels. There is no reason why there couldn't be female trainers, coaches, umpires and managers, and not to mention the paucity of women in front office positions. I mean, how outstanding does Kim Ng have to be in order to get hired as a GM? Uh, yes <laughs> good point um we've talked about this kind of a bit on the pod before um how baseball is kind of um I've drawn the comparison to academia before um and I think that there are other professions that other male dominated professions that are like this too where the lower levels are slowly becoming more and more equitable like yes we're not seeing women gms but we are seeing plenty of women analysts and women working in front offices you know as interns and such like that um but as you go up the food chain that's less and less true and the balance is still you know really really imbalanced (laughs) um but hopefully that's changing with the injection of diversity down at the bottom you hope that that cream sort of rises to the top um but there are obviously still systemic hurdles in the way to get there um you know there's a reason why at the graduate student level in academia at least in my field it's roughly 50 50 men to women but tenured professors (laughs) forget about it 90% men still so it's like you you kind of wonder like hopefully the injection of talent at the lower levels will get you there but like it still hasn't gotten us there so <sighs> and the fact that there are so few at the top too means the people who are trying to work their way up have no support system like they kind of have role to models. blaze their own trail so yeah role models Mentors. um yeah so which people on the huge. yeah people on the the hiring committees who who you know everyone always wants to hire somebody who reminds them of themselves and when everyone on the hiring committee is you know a Ivy League white male between the ages of 35 and 55 you're going to end up with a lot of um candidates that look exactly the same yeah and this is so this is a related 
like it's it's kind of a different topic but I think it's like really really closely linked to this and I think it's important to bring out which is that when all of your dudes in the front offices are hiring people that remind them of them and they're all 35 to 55 year old like Ivy League white dudes this is how you get to where you are in the game now that it's being viewed as like managing a hedge fund and how the humanity has been removed from the game a lot and how we look at these dollars per war calculations. Like, how do you think we got here by hiring, you know, white dudes from Dartmouth? Yep. (laughs) And all people who are like-minded. That's all it is. Yeah. If you get, like, the game will only be enriched by a diversity of perspectives. And when you get a diversity of perspectives in your front office, maybe you can change the narrative and think a little differently about how to build a championship baseball team in a way that doesn't feel like it's, you know, just staring at spreadsheets and reducing dudes to their war totals and such. You know? Um, yeah, totally. It would be nice. <laughs> and I think that another thing that would really help in this regard is for women's baseball to be viewed as like an equal, a co-equal sport. Um, and or not even, I would take existing sport at this point in time. Honestly. <laughs> really? Um, like having a women's baseball league, like a real league would be huge for this sort of thing, for women to be seen as baseball minds because, you know, even so like I'll use Jessica Mendoza as an example, Olympian, champion softball player fantastic player good baseball mind she isn't viewed as a baseball mind by people in the profession because she played softball and not baseball Mm -hmm. like which is ridiculous but like once women's baseball is treated with you know equal support and equal you know deference then more women will be hired in baseball because they'll be seen as serious baseball people (laughs) Yeah, but even that, like, I don't think people should really view softball as less, too. No, they like, should not. Like, the fact that Jessica Mendoza played softball does not make her less of an analyst than Matt Vasgersian. I know Matt Vasgersian. Oh, fine. Oh, Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. Like, she still has a good baseball mind, but playing softball doesn't disqualify you from knowing baseball. It just, It just doesn't. It's silly, but I do think that having women's baseball will help in that regard, even if it's ultimately a flawed way of thinking. Um, So uh, we'll move on to our second email, which made my whole week to read, quite frankly. Me too. Um, So I'm going to I'm going to read this whole email. This is from uh, Judith, Jude for short. Um, Dear Linda, Allison and Maggie. Mets fan from London here, just letting you know that I'm making my own dollars for Dinger's Pledge and will be donating to one of the organizations that runs the UK version of the National Domestic Violence Helpline. And she cites refuge.org.uk. I also wanted to thank you guys for a fantastic first season of Hashtag No Crying in Podcasting. Being a baseball fan in the UK can be a lonely business, but thanks to the good old internet, the number of people I think of as my Mets fan community by proxy expands every year. First, it was Gary, Keith, and Ron making me into a Mets fan with their superlative chat in the booth, and then I got into reading the guys over at Faith and Fear and Flushing blog. Side note, read Faith and Fear and Flushing if you have read it. If you read one blog other than Amazing Avenue... That should be the one that you read. That should be the one. That Absolutely. It is a fantastic, fantastic blog, and they do fantastic work over there. Anyway, and now I have you three to t- tune into every week um, for exultation or commiseration, depending on events. I also really appreciate your deep dives into baseball-wide issues, which have made me a much more inform- informed and critical, though still adoring, consumer of this great sport. Here's to a month filled with me- meaningful Mets baseball, dingers, dongs, and donations. And as Pete would say, wow. LFGM, Jude. Jude, that was so nice. Oh, Thank you. No, I want you to so be my sweet. friend. <laughs> I want to be friends with Jude. Can we? Can we like get a sponsored like UK like pot of their own somehow and like get Jude in here? Yeah, I just want to go and like give her a hug and be say thank you, thank you, thank you. Like that was just so sweet and like you said, it made my whole day. Yeah. Made my whole week to read that email. It was just so, it made my heart happy. Thank you, Jude. That's so nice. We, 
you know, like, even though I feel like listeners have told us that we've kind of like expanded their fam, their baseball family, which is always just so heartwarming to hear and like the best compliment I could possibly get. Like you all have expanded our baseball family too. Yep. just knowing you guys are all out there listening, sending us such positive messages like it means so much to us. So thank you. And the fact that Jude is donating for dollars for dingers to the UK version of the National Domestic Violence Outline. Thank you so much. That's that's so incredible. Thank you, Jude. That's amazing. Um, keep being awesome. Keep keep uh, keep listening with us every week. We love to hear from you guys. Um, this this just made my whole week. It's so it's so sweet. Thank you, Jude. Um, so if you want to be future featured on one of our future um, mailbag segments, one of our future seventh inning stretch segments, reach out to us via email. We always want to hear from you. own at gmail.com. So um, reach out to us. Want to hear from you. Um, Jude did mention our fundraiser. Um, so before we wrap things up this week, um, we do want to continue to t- talk about our fundraiser. It is now just a few days away. It's this Saturday, everybody. It's happening. It's going to be so much fun, you guys. It's ah, uh, we have amazing. I mean, besides the the big raffle news, we also just have an amazing collection of stuff that you can only get at the in person raffle. Awesome crafts and original art and adorable Mets gear. It's it, the whole collection is just so exciting and I can't wait for you all to see it. Yeah. Um, so this Saturday, September 21st at McKellar from 2 to 4 p.m. Please come bring your family, bring your friends, uh, bring your kitties, bring your wife, <laughs> I guess. Um, we'll t- <laughs> we've already discussed the implications of that line of the song, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, you will indeed have the time of your life um, if you come uh, this Saturday. Um, like Maggie said, these a lot of these are items that were given to us exclusively for this fundraiser. So you cannot find them anywhere else, like custom art, etc. Um, so we have so many fun ra- raffle items for you guys um, to bid on. Um, all and there's proceeds. no tickets for the event too. I just like you can if you're at City Field, just show up. Yeah, you don't have to pay to get in or anything like that. You just need to pay to get raffle tickets, but you don't need to pay to get come in and say hi to us. Please come in and say hi to us. Just show up at McKellar at 2 p.m. Um, we'll be recording a pod. It should be a fantastic time. One um, logistical note for everyone. If you can, please bring cash to pay for if you are interested in buying raffle tickets for the items please bring cash if you can we will have a square reader for folks who have to pay by credit card um but square does take a percentage of that off the top um obviously understandably so because they need to do their operating costs and whatnot um but that would mean you know less money going to the charity which is really the goal of the event it's really what we want so if you give us cash that will be 100 percent going to national domestic violence hotline either way other than the small percentage that square takes off the top of the credit card purchases all of the proceeds are going to the national domestic violence hotline so please please come uh come out and support us come out and say just say hi to us um we're really excited to meet some of you guys who we probably haven't seen face to face before so um come out should be a great time good good beer good prizes good friends it'll be a fantastic time 2 to 4 p.m We'll probably be sticking around to watch the game afterwards for folks who are inclined to stick around. So, yep, it should be great. Uh, I can't wait. I'm so, so excited. I'm just out of my mind pumped for this. And if you can't go, you can still enter um, not the raffle for the art and the crafts and the the little goodies, but um, you can get enter the raffle for the autographed baseballs that we have. Yes. We have the a Noah and a DeGrom signed baseball um hit up our twitter there's there's instructions on how to enter the raffle online from there so and on amazingavenue.com as well for you folks that do not have twitter um there is a post on amazingavenue.com with instructions on how to access the google form to get um to purchase tickets online um so you can do that um if you can't attend the event in person um, it seems pretty simple to fill out so yes yeah Linda's mom did it I was gonna say my mom did it (laughs) she's ready to go she's entered in the raffle so it's quick painless um and you 
could be a proud owner of a Jacob DeGrom or Noah Syndergaard autograph baseball if you fill it out. Which would be pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So with that, um, we are going to take one more break. Um, and when we get back, we are going to finish things off with walk-off wins like we do every week. So stay tuned for that. Okay, we are back. Um, so we are going to close out the show this week like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about what's making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. So Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? I know it's still baseball season, but the, the hockey starts tomorrow. <laughs> um, the first Rangers preseason game is played tomorrow, and I'm so pumped. Like, they're my second team. Like, the Mets are obviously number one, like, be above and beyond, but the Rangers are number two. And. They had such a good off season. They had the off season I kind of wish the Mets had, but that's beside the point. Like, oh, signing premier talent. Who would have thought that? That's a novel concept. Um, but they have so many young, exciting players. Like they rebuilt, which was hard. Um, but now, like they're all kind of coming together, and this is the first time we're gonna get to see them all at the same time. Like all these guys that you've just been hearing about, like playing in Russia and in the in the AHL, and now to see them all there, it's like it's a really like the Avengers coming together. You just want to see how they're finally gonna do and perform together, and. Um, they're probably the team that's closest to winning out of all the teams I cheer for. Sorry, Mets. So, so I'm, I'm excited to see. And even if they don't make the playoffs, I feel like they're going to be better. And um, just seeing, I seeing hockey live is beyond anything. Like I, I love baseball. I eat, sleep, and breathe baseball. But seeing a hockey game at the garden like nothing compares to it like it is probably the most exciting sport i think to see in person so i've heard this from lots of other people including other like baseball primaries um that like baseball is their the love of of their lives but that that hockey live there's just nothing better than it so i have not yet had the chance to to test this out for myself but I have heard much independent corroboration of what Linda is telling us. Okay, Same. good. good. <laughs> it is. And then, like, the fun for me was I actually got to see the Rangers at City Field when they played there in the freezing, freezing cold a couple of years ago. So that was kind of fun. It's just having, like, my worlds collide. Yeah, um, right. Uh, I mean, it was negative 12 at puck drop. It was frigid. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't know cold until you've sat three hours in the cold in negative 12 degrees nope nope <laughs> don't like that but that was so much fun but um <laughs> so yes I'm just happy to see my my beloved New York Rangers again and my beloved Henrik Lundqvist yeah <laughs> racing my screen once again <laughs> Linda, I feel like your um, your discussion of worlds colliding kind of transitions into my walk-off win. So oh, I guess perfect. I'll go second this week. Um, so my walk-off win and other Amazing Avenue folks can corroborate is that um, so earlier, I guess, so like last week, maybe like a week and a half ago, I'm like losing track of all time now, but it, it was sometime last week. Um, so for folks who are cross listeners of the entire Amazing Avenue audio suite of shows, which if you aren't, you should be, what are you doing? Listen to our other shows, um, have heard me perhaps guest spot on Amazing Avenue audio, the show before. And for those of you who don't know, their sort of version of their walk-off wins, the thing that they close out their pod with every week is music recommendations. So I have discussed my favorite bands on that pod before and my favorite band uh, of all time is Green Day and so and like all the music of that ilk is stuff I like so like alternative 90s and things like that um so er, last week Green Day announced that they are touring with Fall Out Boy and Weezer and I just like absolutely like lost my shit (laughs) 
because <laughs> Green Day's my favorite band, and I also love those other two bands. Um, so seeing three, getting like three bands that huge in one concert, like that almost never happens unless you're going to like a music festival. So like a tour of three huge headlining bands that could sell out stadiums by themselves is like, I was like, I will do whatever it takes to get tickets to that show not only that not only were they touring together their north american tour is in baseball stadiums so guess where they are coming next august city field so I was oh like, my god i was like i will sell my kidney on the black market <laughs> if that's what it takes to get tickets to this and so um fellow amazing avenue um writer vaz also loves green day green day is also his favorite band and brian also really loves green day so we 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 like we like started a plan we're like all right we're going to this concert we're all going to this concert and so we're sitting there so this was monday um we're we're now recording this on tuesday nights this is yesterday morning um it feels like so much longer ago than yesterday morning but I guess it was yesterday morning we're sitting there 10 a.m sharp me and Vaz have our pre-sale <laughs> codes like ready to go refreshing the window getting tickets and despite the fact that Vaz and I like both went into the pre-sale like separately and at different times we managed to get seats all together for oh my god all the folks that are going I mean they were it was because I was buying four tickets at once and getting reimbursed later it, I think it's the most money I've ever put on my credit card at once which was like you know scary <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it because I am seeing Green Day Fall Out Boy and Weezer with opening band The Interrupters at City Field next August with oh, so happy for you guys fellow yeah, amazing really awesome. new friends so we uh, we're all so excited. I am so pumped beyond imagination. And it's kind of like a, I feel like this is kind of an anticlimactic walk-off win because it's like, I got this ticket for, I got these tickets for a concert that's 11 months from now. <laughs> oh, believe me, it's going to go so fast. But well, I, and then you get to have another walk-off win. Yeah, when it months. happens. Exactly. But I like cannot wait. I've never been more excited for a concert in my life. Two worlds colliding. My favorite band at my favorite place is just going to be the happiest. So I'm. that is my walk-off win for this week. Anticipation for a thing happening 11 months from now. <laughs> um, Maggie, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so this weekend, my husband was traveling for a family wedding, and my two-year-old daughter was up at her grandma's house. And so I wanted to do something super special for my son, who is five, um, and he loves trains. And we take trains around the city all, all the time, but I knew I had to, to up the ante a little bit, so I took him on the ferry to see the Statue of Liberty Aww. and it was lovely it was like it wasn't a it wasn't a like gorgeous day or anything but also that's fine because of the it would have been really hot and uncomfortable but we took the ferry out which was real a nice you know cool ride he had a lot of fun he realized that we were going to get a little bit wet for where we were standing he just thought that was the greatest thing he had ever like he, he was just so shocked to think that like we would be getting wet near the water and it was just it was it was great. And we didn't actually go into the statue, but we we ran around the base of it. We got a, a Lego Statue of Liberty to work on. Like he got a little like torch that lights up. It it was a great day. I have a lot of feelings about where this country is right now. And I had a lot of those feelings when I was there. And I know the Statue of Liberty is about a promise that we're not keeping right now. Um, but I also just kind of wanted to, to give him a fun day. And, and you know, those are, those are conversations we'll be having for a long time. But it was, it was a fun place to, to visit. I would definitely recommend it. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was a lovely. Was, I'm so glad we got to do that together. Of all the years that I have lived like proximate to New York and taken many field trips to New York City as a kid, I have never been to the Statue of Liberty. I have not been since I, I must have been, I want to say, I want to say fourth grade was when we went um, for a school trip. And that I think was the only other time I have been. So do the math. It was a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah, I went to Ellis Island. Yeah, same. I've been to Ellis Island. So, like, I, like, ferried past the statue. Yeah. 
but I've never been like on the physical ground where it stands. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then um, the one on a cruise that left out of New York Harbor and leaving it, you have to like wave goodbye to the statue. So that's basically the closest I've come is on Ellis <laughs> Island and leaving New York Harbor on a cruise ship. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we're all bad, like New York metropolitan area <laughs> people. But Maggie just has finally take it for granted. Yeah, we we totally do. We totally do. But Maggie has finally notched her belt and her son's belt as well, so that's good. I have. And we're going to go back. Good. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so that does it for the show this week. Um, you can find all, even though the Mets uh, season may be RIP at this point, kind of, you can still find all of our game recaps, news, uh posts etc on amazingavenue.com we're still here we're always gonna be here no matter what the Mets do so um <laughs> so keep up with all of your latest Mets content on amazingavenue.com you can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at Amazing Avenue you can follow the show on Twitter at a pot of their own you can follow each of us on Twitter I am at petite PhD where are you Linda at Linda Servich and you Maggie at Maggie162. Follow the show on Twitter. Follow each of us on Twitter. If you want to be featured on a seventh inning stretch segment in the future, please email us aa.apodoftheirown at gmail.com. In the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or non-iOS apps, um, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, um, if you have not already, and rate and review the show. It really, really helps people find it. Uh, the original music for this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets, and don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.